Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Hunter Biden is slated to plead guilty to gun and tax charges. Trump goes on Brett Baer's show where he proceeds to ignore all of his lawyers' advice. And Secretary of State Antony Blinken prostrates himself before Chinese dictator Xi Jinping. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Thousands of my listeners have already secured their network data. Join them at expressvpn.com slash Ben. So Hunter Biden is slated to plead guilty to a couple of misdemeanor charges on taxes and a gun felony, and he will do no jail time because that's the way our justice system works, gang. That's the way this all works. What exactly did Hunter Biden do? Well, according to a form that has now been filed by the U.S. attorney, David Weiss, enclosed, this is a letter to the U.S. District Clerk's Court Office, quote, enclosed, please find two informations to be docketed in criminal matters involving the above-referenced defendant. The first information charges the defendant with tax offenses, namely two counts of willful failure to pay federal income tax in violation of 26 U.S. Code at 7203. The defendant has agreed to plead guilty to both counts on the tax information. The second information, these are basically the charges, charges the defendant with a firearm offense, namely one count of possession of a firearm by a person who is an unlawful user of or addicted to a controlled substance in violation of 18 U.S. Code 922G3 and 924A2. The defendant has agreed to enter a pretrial diversion agreement with respect to the firearm information. So in other words, he is going to essentially receive no jail time. And instead, he is going to go on probation for a while. According to the Washington Post, that tentative agreement with federal prosecutors is to plead guilty to two minor tax crimes and admit to the facts of a gun charge under terms that would likely keep him out of jail. Any proposed plea deal would have to be approved by a federal judge. The agreement caps an investigation opened in 2018 during the Trump administration and has generated intense interest and criticism since 2020 from Republican politicians who accuse the Biden administration of reluctance to pursue the case. What is the most likely thing that is happening here? Well, the cynic might say that basically the DOJ is not hitting Hunter Biden with the book. They're basically going out of their way to hit him for a couple of tax infractions and a gun charge in order to avoid delving more deeply into the alleged corrupt scheme that involved Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and Ukrainian money flowing into the Biden family coffers. That would be the very cynical take on this, is this would be a mask, basically. Hunter Biden does no time. He serves a probationary period. Everything is hunky-dory. And we all just go about our business and pretend that the DOJ is absolutely enforcing the law in even-handed fashion. According to the Washington Post, the court papers indicate the younger Biden has tentatively agreed to plead guilty to two misdemeanor tax charges of failure to pay in 2017 and 2018. The combined tax liability is roughly $1.2 million in those two years alone. So first of all, that's a lot of money for a misdemeanor tax charge. $1.2 million? And that does raise serious questions as to where is Hunter Biden picking up enough money that he owes a million two to the federal government? That's a that means that somebody was paying him, maybe the Ukrainians, maybe the Chinese. Prosecutors plan to recommend a sentence of probation for those counts. Biden's representatives have said he previously paid back the IRS what he owes. Additionally, Biden plans to admit to illegally possessing a weapon following his 2018 purchase of a handgun. As part of that admission, he expects to be entered into a diversion program, a less punitive form of sentence typically applied to people with substance abuse problems. So basically, he was doing drugs and he testified on a form that he is not a drug addict when he obtained the gun. And then because he was doing drugs, they're saying he didn't know what he was doing and therefore he's going to be sent to a diversion program. So I suppose that means everyone who lies on that form, who in fact was a drug abuser, should be sent to a diversion program as opposed to jail. That'd be the even-handed approach, no? In all, prosecutors would recommend two years of probation and diversion conditions. If Biden successfully meets the conditions of the diversion program, the gun charge would then be removed from his record at the end of the period. The gun purchase that led to the criminal charge happened in late 2018 at a time when, by his own telling in his own autobiography, because Hunter's an idiot, he was regularly abusing crack. When he filed out paperwork to buy the gun, he denied using drugs or having a drug problem, exposing him to a potential charge of making a false statement on the document, as well as illegal gun possession once he acquired the weapon. Biden owned the gun for less than two weeks because his then-girlfriend threw it away. Now, again, I guess the charges don't include the throwing the gun into a trash can somewhere, which is apparently uh, illegal as well. That is not something that typically you are supposed to be doing. And you'll recall that there was a lot more involved than just that. We'll get to that momentarily first. 
The fact is that we are now spending more money than has ever been spent in the history of humanity. It continues year on year. Eventually, that bill is going to come due. Either it's going to come due in the form of higher interest rates that we're currently paying on our bonds, and we're going to have to pay all of that back. And that means we're going to have to either inflate the currency or we're going to have to increase the taxes. And when, when, that, when that sort of stuff happens, you probably should be diversified out of the American dollar. You should be worried about stagnation in the stock market. At the very least, you should have some of your assets in precious metals. Times like these are a great reminder to diversify a portion of your savings into gold. You can help do that with Birch Gold. They're who I buy my gold from, so do thousands of other concerned savers. As Brazil, Russia, India, China, South America are banding together to try to create alternative forms of currency so that they don't actually have to rely on the American dollar, the value of the dollar over the course of the next 20 years well, it's in question. At the very least, you need to diversify the same way that all these countries are. They're actually investing in gold. Text Ben to 989898. Get your free info kit on gold today. There's no obligation, just information. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Thousands of happy customers. Take action today. Text Ben to 989898 right now. Again, that's Ben to 989898. We'll get some more on this in just one second. First, with inflation on the rise, 20 bucks barely gets you anything these days. In most restaurants, you can't get a burger and fries for under that. How about it like at the gas pump? Well, you might be able to get like a quarter of a gallon or something. I mean, like really, gas is getting very expensive. But from my cell phone company, Pure Talk, you can get unlimited talk, text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. Pure Talk gives you the same quality of service as your current cell phone provider, but for half the cost. I want to ensure you heard that. This is top tier coverage on America's most dependable 5G network for half the cost of other carriers. The average family will save almost a thousand bucks a year, all with no contracts and no activation fees. You can switch to Pure Talk with the phone and phone number you currently use, or you can take advantage of their great deals on the latest iPhones and Androids. Making the switch is incredibly easy. Their U.S. customer service team can help you join Pure Talk in as little as 10 minutes. Choose to spend your hard-earned money with a wireless company that shares your values, supports our military and veterans, a company that creates American jobs and refuses to advertise on fake news networks. Don't spend another day spending ridiculous amounts of money on your phone plan. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Right now, my listeners can get an additional 50% off their very first month of coverage. That's puretalk.com slash Shapiro. In fact, according to Politico, going back to March of 2021, on October 23rd, 2018, President Joe Biden's son Hunter and daughter-in-law Haley were involved in a bizarre incident in which Haley took Hunter's gun and threw it in a trash can behind a grocery store, only ret to return later to find it gone. The Delaware police began investigating, concerned the trash can was across from a high school and the missing gun could be used in a crime. But a curious thing happened at the time Secret Service agents approached the owner of the store where Hunter bought the gun and asked to take the paperwork involving the sale, according to two people. The gun store owner refused to supply the paperwork, suspecting that Secret Service officers wanted to destroy the paperwork. The owner, Ron Palmieri, later turned over the paperwork to the ATF. The Secret Service had had no record of its agents investigating the incident, and Joe Biden, who was not under protection at the time, said through a spokesperson he had no knowledge of any Secret Service involvement. Still mysterious as to what exactly the Secret Service was doing, Lying on the form was, in fact, a felony because the transaction record asks, quote, are you an unlawful user of or addicted to marijuana or any depressant, stimulant, narcotic drug, or any other controlled substance? So I guess they're not filing a charge on the throwing away a gun next to a high school. And uh, we still are not going to get to the bottom of, did the Secret Service then go and try and clean up Hunter Biden's problems? Later that day, Haley informed Hunter of what she'd done. He instructed her to retrieve the gun, according to the police report. When Haley returned to the grocery store, she found the gun was missing from the garbage bin and reported the issue to the store. Police received calls from the store's general manager and from another person, according to the report. Arriving on the scene, Delaware State Police retrieved security camera footage from the store and interviewed the store management. The FBI also responded to the scene. At the time, the FBI was still monitoring Hunter Biden because of the tax investigation. So apparently... All of this is now going to result in Hunter Biden not going to jail and getting probation for a couple of years, which sounds like just what would happen if, if Hunter Biden were like, you know, a poor person. If Hunter Biden were a poor, unconnected person, this is probably exactly what would happen to him, is that he would fail to pay his taxes, amounting to $1.2 million for two years. And then he would, you know, be high while signing gun forms and then have his girlfriend throw away the gun and then activate Secret Service to clean it up. And uh, he would be charged with a diversionary program. That's a, that, that is probably exactly what would happen if it were you. That's precisely what would happen. So, you know, the DOJ does the right thing in charging Hunter Biden, but then they give him a sweet plea deal, which is the way that it works. The, the thing is that you remember that Joe Biden has been lying about this for years. So Joe Biden was asked, like, in 2021, what's the deal with Hunter? He's like, Hunter is the smartest person I know, and he's never done anything wrong. Sir, there is something personal that's affecting you. Your son, while there's no ties to you, could be charged by your Department of Justice. How will that impact your presidency? First of all, my son's done nothing wrong. I trust him. I have faith in him. And it impacts my presidency by making me feel proud of him. 
Well, apparently Hunter is going to have to tell his dad something because apparently he did a lot of things wrong. Just your quick reminder, you, a law-abiding gun-owning American citizen, you're a danger to the republic, according to Joe Biden. Right? You're a problem because you have an AR-15 in your house. That's something that you should not be able to have because you are a bad person, even though you're law-abiding and you've done nothing wrong. Hunter Biden being a crack addict who bought a gun by falsely filling out a form and then his girlfriend taking that gun and tossing it in a garbage can across the street from a high school. Hunter Biden, well, you know, he's... It's a minor charge. It's going to be fun to watch as the media say that now avoiding taxes is a minor charge. Gun felonies are now minor charges because, of course, Hunter Biden is involved in all of that. And so it's no longer a very big deal. And it's not enough here for the DOJ to it's not enough here for the DOJ to charge Hunter Biden. I mean, they theoretically should throw the book at him the same way that they are presumably going to throw the book at Donald Trump. You throw the book at everybody or you throw the book at nobody. That's not the way that this works. So. You know, people on the left are now going to use this as the predicate to suggest that the Justice Department is doing the fair thing. After all, they charged Hunter Biden, did they not? Which means that the charges against Donald Trump are now fully justified. This ignores the fact that Hunter Biden is, in fact, the son of the current president of the United States and not the current president of the United States himself, who is currently under investigation from a handling classified material. It also ignores the fact that the deeper investigation into Joe Biden by the DOJ would not be involving Hunter and his crack cocaine use while buying a gun. The deeper investigation would involve you know, maybe bribery. Like, that's the thing people want to know the details about, not this particular case. They're not throwing the book at Hunter. They're letting him off the hook. Now, the case to be made, to be fair, for Hunter's legal team is that they cooperated with law enforcement, that as soon as this happened, Hunter Biden did the thing he's supposed to do, and he shut up, and he said to his legal team, go clean this up for me. And then they did that. Now, does that seem a little corrupt, given the fact that, again, his dad is the president of the United States? Doesn't seem, like, amazing. But it does demonstrate the power of cooperating with federal law enforcement in these cases, as opposed to working at odds with them. Now, it doesn't mean that the federal law enforcement will always do what they are supposed to do. Again, I have grave suspicions, and I'm very cynical about the outcome of this particular case. But when juxtaposed with the behavior of President Trump, who is not taking the advice of his legal team, that's not a smart strategy, as it, as it turns out. Again, two things can be true at once. DOJ can be deeply affected by politics and corruption. And also, the smart thing to do, listen to your lawyers. Speaking of which, Donald Trump was on Brett Baer's show last night, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Worst job in the world, Donald Trump's lawyer. Very, very rough job. Because if you are a lawyer, the first thing that you tell your client, particularly in a criminal case, but it's true in civil cases also, is shut up. Keep your mouth shut. This is like the very first rule. And by the way, it's not just lawyers who know this. If you've ever watched a cop show and you've ever seen a criminal defendant being taken into custody by the police, the first thing the lawyer shouts to them is, be quiet, don't say anything. One of those, one of the aspects of not, of not saying things is don't go on national TV and say things about an ongoing criminal case. Because very likely you're going to say something that ends up in the criminal indictment. If you're his lawyers, you must have been pulling your hair out last night. He was on Brett Baer's show. And this does demonstrate not only that Donald Trump is not a good legal client, but it really leads to some serious issues for Donald Trump in the primary election. Okay, so all of this comes out in the Brett Baer interview. So it begins with Trump saying he doesn't have any worries about the federal indictment at all. Which, again, maybe that's true, maybe that's not, but here's the beginning of the interview. Mike Pence had documents that were classified. And he turned them over. No, he didn't turn them over. He got caught. His lawyers found some documents and then he turned them over. Why did he have them? He shouldn't be saying that because he had classified documents. And immediately they said, oh, that's okay. And I suppose it's gonna be okay with Biden too, even though he has them in Chinatown, even though he has them in Delaware, and probably a hundred times more than I have. So you're not worried about this case? Based on the law, zero, zero. Presidential Records Act plus the act, plus the Clinton case, the Clinton case, which was won by Clinton as president because he took, he took tapes of leaders in his socks. Uh, zero, okay. zero. And every good lawyer has said it, and you've seen that. Every good lawyer has said that. Okay, that. okay, so first of all, not true. Okay, when he says that all these other people, they had classified documents, that part is 100% true, and he's totally right about that. And if we actually read the statute to mean what the statute means, a lot of people would go to jail for mishandling classified information. The problem for Trump is, again, the obstruction charge, right? That's the real problem. And by the way, Hillary should have gone to jail for the obstruction charge. Now, it's very weird is seeing a lot of the same people who say that Hillary should have gone to jail for the obstruction charge, now flipping and saying that Trump should not you know, be tried for the same charge. Not because, like me, you believe there should be one standard of justice. And if you're going to let somebody off, you got to let everybody off. But because the idea is that if Trump does it, it's okay. And if Hillary does it, it's not okay. That's not right. Okay, it's either wrong or it's right. But in any case, when he is talking about the Presidential Records Act, 
When he says all good lawyers believe what he's saying here, that's not true. He's apparently citing Tom Fitton, who's the head of Judicial Watch. I know Tom. Tom's a really good guy. Tom is not a lawyer. Okay, the reality is, according to Andy McCarthy, who is a former federal prosecutor, the Presidential Records Act explicitly excludes agency records from the definition of presidential records. In other words, the president doesn't have the simple ability to simply say, all records are now presidential records. A CIA record comes across his desk. Now it's magically a presidential record. That is not correct. So the Presidential Records Act does not apply in this particular case. Intelligence records, says Andy, compiled by the Intelligence reports compiled by the Defense Intelligence Agency, CIA, NSA, FBI, other U.S. national security agencies are agency records. They are not presidential records by definition. The PRA excludes agency records from its coverage. And then you see him cite the so-called Clinton sock drawer case. And the, and the Clinton sock drawer case is a little bit different. And so there's a lawyer who wrote a piece in the Wall Street Journal talking about the Clinton case. Okay, that case involved non-classified tape recordings that Clinton made with historian Taylor Branch in anticipation of compiling a history of his presidency. Bekesha says those are presidential records, but they are presidential records, and he should have archived them with the National Archives. And instead, he hid them in a White House sock drawer until his term ended, and then he took them with him. But NARA had civil law authority under the Presidential Records Act. Did they to compel the turning over of the tapes, or did they not? Those were presidential records. These are not presidential records, so the case doesn't really apply. The point here is that Trump should not be involving himself in abstruse legal discussions. This is what you hire a lawyer to do. Even I, a lawyer, whenever I'm involved, our company is involved in legal cases. You know what we do? We hire lawyers. This is like the first thing you do. You're the former president of the United States. I'm sure you have thousands of lawyers on your Rolodex. Just call one. Just call one and listen to them. And, and the reason I'm, I'm upset about this is because, again, if you're rooting for Trump to win the nomination and then win the presidency, you know what he needs to do? Avoid jail. You know what he needs to do? not dump out all of his dirty laundry in public in the, in the belief that somehow this is going to benefit him. As I've said before, first of all, every day you spend talking about Trump and his documents and election 2020 is the day you're not talking about Joe Biden, who's the actual subject of the 2024 election. But beyond that, it demonstrates a lack of focus not to be talking about how you're going to win in 2024. Instead, you're out there essentially handing material to the prosecutor. We'll get to that in just one second. By the way, a judge has now set an August 14th trial date for Donald Trump in the classified documents case, apparently. So they're moving fast on this particular case. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, we got a dog. Our dog makes four children and a dog in our house. Lots of things going on in our house. You know, we can't afford to have a sick dog, which is why we want our dog to be healthy. And this is why we use Rough Greens. We give our dog happy Rough Greens every day. The dog food you've been giving your dog is dead food. It doesn't have a lot of nutritional value. Brown food doesn't exactly scream nutritional, but green food does. Rough Greens boosts Happy's food back to life. It can do the same for your dog. You don't have to go out and buy new dog food. Just sprinkle Rough Greens on their food every day. It contains all the necessary vitamins and minerals your dog is not getting from their regular dog food. Happy loves the Rough Greens. He eats it right up and he is healthy. He's doing great. Rough Greens is the only supplement your dog will ask for by name. Rough Greens, do you get it? It's a, it's a joke. Anyway, naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black, the founder of Rough Greens, is so confident this product will improve your dog's health. He's offering my listeners a free jumpstart trial bag. Go to freeroughgreens.com slash Ben. Let Rough Greens bring your dog's food back to life. That's free, R-U-F-F greens.com slash Ben today or call 833-MY-DOG-33. That's 833-MY-DOG-33 to get started. Again, freeroughgreens.com slash Ben today or call 833-MY-DOG-33. Okay, so now we get to the actual meat of the interview with Brett Baer. And we've already set the predicate with, with the criminal charges that he's facing. So Trump is asked by Brett Baer, why didn't you just give the boxes back? Now, again, one of the charges in this case is that Donald Trump obstructed justice by telling his lawyers to turn all of the material over to the FBI and telling them that they had. And then he was simultaneously apparently shifting boxes around so his own lawyers did not know that he had classified material. And here is Trump just saying it. I have every right to have those boxes. This is purely a Presidential Records Act. This is not a criminal thing. In fact, the New York Times of all had a story just the other day that the only way NARA could ever get this stuff, this back, would be please, 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 could we have it back? And they please. asked for that. Because they have no, we they were did talking. Ask for it. No, and they said, I gave can you give some, the documents back? And we were talking. And then they said they went to DOJ to subpoena you to get them Which back. they've never done before. Right. And, and but why fairness, not just hand them over then? Because I had boxes. I want to go through the boxes and get all my personal things out. I don't want to hand that over to NARA yet. Okay, so he said he didn't want to hand it over to NARA, right? Which, and, and then Brett Baer's like, so why do you have it in the first place? Why not just give it back to them? Like, why are you, you're, you're accused of shifting around the boxes. What's the story? 
You're quoted and, on the uh, recording no, and, saying the document was secret, adding that you could have declassified it while you were president, but, quote, now I can't. You know this is still secret, highly confidential. And the indictment cites the recording and the testimony from people in the room saying you showed it to people there that day. So you say on this on tape it's just the opposite. that you can't and, declassify and it, so why have it? What I, said, what I said that I couldn't declassify it now, that's because I wasn't president. I, I never made any bones about that. When I'm not president, I can't declassify it. That's what you said. You didn't said declassify it. I said, no, no. I said I couldn't declassify it. I could have but that wasn't a document, it. Brett. There was no document. That was a massive amount of papers and everything else talking about Iran and other things. Okay, so now he's trying to claim the papers that he was waving around. So he's claiming two separate things in these clips. Thing number one that he's claiming is, yes, I took the boxes and I was moving them around. Don't, that's the thing they're charging you with, man. His lawyers are like, what are you doing? It's like, yeah, I moved them out. They had my stuff in them. Why shouldn't I? because they're literally accusing you of doing that thing and then they subpoenaed those documents and then they raided your house and they found classified documents in the boxes that you were moving around. Don't say the thing. Don't do it. And then he, he says the other thing, right? He's, he's asked about the transcript where he is saying that he could have declassified the documents, but he didn't and he's waving around papers. And now he's claiming those are just random papers that he's like waving around a Newsweek article or something. And he's saying, I could have declassified, but I didn't declassify this paper. Okay, again, all of this, you can't compel a defendant to appear on the stand in his own criminal trial. Right? There's a right against self-incrimination in a criminal trial. You know what there's no right to? Not admitting outside interviews with Brett Baer to the court records. If you think Jack Smith's prosecutorial team wasn't watching the interview last night and taking clips of this and then just getting ready to enter this into the prosecutorial record, you got it wrong. It's just, it's, if you root for Donald Trump, if you're a fan of Donald Trump, you have to be thinking this is not a smart move. What is the move here? Why is this smart? Why are you going on Brett Bear's show and then spilling all of this out? Why don't you just say it's an ongoing legal case and my lawyers are handling it? Why? And we'll get to more on this in just one second because the interview didn't end there. First, the CEO of Innovation Refunds and GetRefunds.com has been on TV explaining how they've helped so many small businesses with their ERC tax refunds. They've completed thousands of returns for different kinds of businesses, including over $700 million for construction companies and over $200 million in restaurants, bars, and hotels. Innovation Refunds has hundreds of five-star Trustpilot and Google reviews and is certified with the Better Business Bureau. In just eight minutes, you can easily start the process over at GetRefunds.com. You could be on your way to receiving up to 26 grand per employee. The ERC tax credit is not a loan. It's a refund on your already paid taxes designed to let the business owner direct the refund money into anything the business needs to grow. It's money you can use to improve your business however you see fit. Go to GetRefunds.com to start that process. And this is really taxes that you shouldn't have paid in the first place, and now you're getting a refund on the taxes that you did pay. There's no upfront charge. They're not going to get paid unless you get paid, so you really have nothing to lose. Innovation Refunds has already helped clients claim over $5 billion in payroll tax refunds through the ERC. They might be able to help your business too. Go to GetRefunds.com or download the app from the App Store today. That's GetRefunds.com today. Again, GetRefunds.com today to get started. GetRefunds.com. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, let's be real. French fries, they're the only good vegetable. But Unfortunately, they're not healthy. They're bad for you. Well, Balance of Nature fruits and veggies are the most convenient way to get whole food ingredients every day, like the actual vegetables that they count toward you know, what you should be eating. Balance of Nature uses an advanced cold vacuum process that encapsulates fruits and veggies into whole food supplements without sacrificing those natural antioxidants. The capsules are completely void of additives, fillers, extracts, synthetics, pesticides, or added sugar. The only thing in Balance of Nature's fruit and veggie capsules are, you know, like the fruits and the veggies. Right now, my listeners can get 35% off their first order and they'll also get a free fiber and spice supplement. Balance of Nature's Fiber and Spice Supplement is a revolutionary fiber drink with a unique blend of 12 spices and whole foods. I've been flying pretty much constantly for the last few months. Gotta tell you, I really rely on Balance of Nature. There's never been an easier way to make sure you're getting your daily dose of fruits and veggies. Experience Balance of Nature for yourself today. Go to balanceofnature.com, use promo code Shapiro for 35% off your first order as a preferred customer, plus get a free bottle of fiber and spice. That's balanceofnature.com, promo code Shapiro for 35% off that first preferred order, plus that free bottle of fiber and spice. So the question is gonna be, how does he turn this around? Okay, so then Trump gets into matters of the election, specifically with Bear, And Bear asks him a pretty obvious question, which is you're now at war with pretty much everybody who used to be in your administration. Why do you keep hiring bad people? You called your first secretary of state, Rex Tillerson, dumb as a rock, and your first defense secretary, James Mattis, the world's most overrated general. You called your White House press secretary, Kayla Kennedy, milquetoast, and multiple times you've referred to your transportation secretary, Elaine Chao, as Mitch McConnell's China-loving wife. So... 
Why did you hire all of them in the first place? Because I hired 10 to 1 that were fantastic. We had a great economy. We had phenomenal people in charge of the economy. We had phenomenal people in the military. I'm not a fan of Millie, and I'm not a fan of certain of the television people. But I knocked out ISIS. I defeated ISIS. They said, Mattis, it would take three years, and I don't think we can do it. I did it in a period of, like, four weeks. There's a lot of people who praise you for your policies. I just said that. That's true. Well, I mean, you just went through a list. But don't forget, for everyone you say, I had 10 that love us. Okay, but everybody in his cabinet, he's been ripping on. So he has no answer to why he hires bad people, which is a problem when you are staffing up an administration that is facing down the deep state, as he says they are. And, And by the way, He's not wrong about that. Like, wouldn't staffing be kind of an issue going forward to a 2024 election win? Like, even if he wins, he's going to have to staff up. Does his history in staffing make you sanguine about how, how well that's going to go? And then the real, the, and then Brett Baer hits him with the 2020 election. He says, basically, listen, you, you lost the 2020 election. And Trump, of course, is never going to admit that he lost the 2020 election. But that begs the question, if you didn't lose the 2020 election, how'd you plan to unlose the next election? What do you say to that female independent suburban voter who feels that way to win her back? First of all, I won in 2020 by a lot. Okay, you let's get that, that straight. I won in 2020. You know that. This, and if you look at all of the tapes, if you look at shows. everything that you want to look at, you take a look at Truth to Vote, where they have people stuffing the ballot boxes on tapes, or Mr. President, let's go to recent. Well, wait a minute. Let's go to recent FBI Twitter. Let's go to recent, the 51 agents, all corrupt stuff, Brett. Understand about the all, Hunter Biden, well, no, but all that's fair things. Election. But yeah, that's cheating on the election. You lost the 2020 election. Okay, so here is the problem for Trump. How is he going to win? Okay, if you're somebody who wants to see the deep state defeated, if you want to see Donald Trump's enemies defeated, if you'd like to see someone elected who's going to pardon Trump, if he actually ends up criminally convicted in the state of Florida, then what's the plan? That's the big question going forward. Who has discipline? Who has a chance to win? Now, I'm not saying Trump has no chance to win. If he's nominated, of course he has a chance to win. I mean, you're always going to have a 30% shot at winning because this is basically a two-party system. With that said, is the kind of discipline that he is not showing during this interview going to benefit him in a race against Joe Biden? A race that should be about Joe Biden? Because again, Joe Biden is a target-rich environment. He's a target-rich environment. And the question is going to be, can this be an election about about? Joe Biden, when Donald Trump is in the race, I I find it hard to believe it can. Donald Trump is way more interesting. He says things that are way more fascinating. He says things that are off the wall. He is, he's a fascinating person. Donald Trump is just from a media perspective and from a voter perspective. All focus will be on Donald Trump. If you have an option to talk with your friends about Trump or talk with your friends about Biden, who are you going to talk about? So what that, what does that mean? It means it takes an uber disciplined campaign to make the 2024 election about Joe Biden and not about the Republican candidate. The media are focused full-time on making this about the Republican candidate. Does that task become easier or harder for them if Donald Trump is the nominee? I've begged, honest to God, I've begged Donald Trump's team to, to, to be more disciplined, to focus in. I wish he had done so in 2020. He'd be president again. I voted for him in 2020. I supported him in 2020. I'd support him again if he's the nominee in 2024. But like some discipline would be good and some listening to your lawyers like... It's very frustrating from the perspective of someone who would like to see Joe Biden not be the president of the United States anymore. Speaking of which, there are many reasons why I would like to see Joe Biden not be president of the United States anymore. One of those reasons is because he's about to surrender to China. So here's the thing. China is actually in a very weak global position. That's being hidden by the cowardice of the Americans and the cowardice of the Europeans. But the reality is that China is in, in, they're in a demographic death spiral. Their R rate, their reproduction rate in China is really, really low. Their fertility rate is currently 1.28 births per woman, which means that they are going to have their population probably cut in half by about 2060. They're in a state of declining population. Their economy is built on the back of young workers. Those young workers are not going to exist thanks to their fertility crisis. Their entire economy is built on the back of foreign debt. They've taken out an enormous amount of debt. They've created entire shadow cities so that they can suck wealth away from their citizens. They have no intent on repaying. Their economy is going to stagnate. It's already stagnating. In fact, according to the New York Times, investment in China has stagnated this spring after a flurry of activity in late winter. Winter Exports are shrinking. Fewer and fewer new housing projects are being started. Prices are falling. More than one in five young people is unemployed. China has tried many fixes over the last few years when its economy had flagged, like heavy borrowing to pay for roads and rail lines. And it's been huge sums on testing and quarantines during the pandemic. 
extra stimulus spending now with borrowed money would spur a burst of activity, but pose a difficult choice for policymakers already worried about the accumulated debt. I mean, here's the thing with China. China's actual debt to GDP ratio is like 200 something percent. No one ever talks about the systemic debt in China. It's extraordinarily high. China needs to write its economy, but there's no actual way for them to do that because Xi Jinping has been not opening the Chinese economy. He's afraid that if he were to continue to do so, that China might eventually, the Chinese people might eventually want political reforms and throw him out of power. So instead, he's basically chosen autarky. We're going to close all of our borders. We're going to produce everything domestically. And we're going to sink our own economy in the process. And the only way that we're going to make up for that is militarism which is why he's gotten very expansionist about, for example, Hong Kong, which used to be a major trading center that generated enormous revenue for the Chinese government. He's like, I'd rather just take that place over directly as opposed to having the possibility that maybe they're going to push for more democratic change, even if it means economic suffering. The same thing, presumably, is true in Taiwan. It's the reason why they become very, very threatening toward the Republic of Taiwan. Well, with China in a very weak position, this is where you actually want to keep the pressure on. Right? This is where you want to start reshoring a lot of the business that's being done in China. It, it is where, for example, you would like to keep the military pressure on by building up the American navy so that we have the capacity to break a blockade of Taiwan should China choose to try and impose one. Right now would be a good time to isolate China on the world stage by cutting bilateral trade agreements with all of the Southeastern Asian nations. Right now would be an excellent time to do all those things. Instead, the Biden administration is trying the strategy of appeasement with the Chinese. And it's not going to end well. So yesterday, Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, he traveled over to China and uh, met Xi Jinping. Look at the body language, first of all, in this in this meeting right here. So here is here is Blinken walking in. He's the Secretary of State meeting Winnie the Pooh, the uh, Chinese leader here, Xi Jinping. You see him walking in. She is like, I can't even believe I have to meet with this guy. Look at this schmuck. Blinken looks very eager to be there. Blinken is sitting, you know, straight up, looking very nervous, and she looks pretty comfortable. I mean, this is, Xi knows where the power in this relationship is, despite the fact that the United States is by orders of magnitude more powerful than China. And the notion that China is an actual competitor on the world stage for the United States in terms of like, oh man, they could overcome our economy. No, they couldn't. Their per capita GDP in China is really, really, really low. Everybody likes to talk about the combined GDP, but that's because they have tons and tons of people. The per capita GDP of China right now is approximately $12,500. Per capita GDP of the United States right now is approximately $70,000. We're orders of magnitude more powerful than China, economically speaking. In terms of our military, way more sophisticated than the Chinese military. Way more. But instead, the the Blinken-Biden team has decided to appease. According to the Wall Street Journal, China and the United States took steps to halt the downward spiral in relations with Secretary of State Antony Blinken meeting Chinese leader Xi Jinping, though the two powers might have trouble keeping their global rivalry from swamping the tentative rapprochement. During two days of meetings in Beijing, Blinken and senior Chinese foreign policy officials agreed to more high-level talks, continuing a thaw after months of near-frozen contacts. They also promised to find common ground on increasing flights between the two countries and combating the flow of fentanyl into the United States. Now remember, a ton of the fentanyl that is pouring into the United States and killing hundreds of thousands of Americans is coming directly from China. It's going from China into Mexico and then into the United States. The, the COVID virus that shut down the world for two years was directly the Chinese government unleashing that thing on the world. They knew it was there. They knew it was in Wuhan and they decided that they would rather cover their own asses by unleashing it on the world than actually prevent it from escaping China. And yet the Biden administration is playing all of this down Apparently, according to the Wall Street Journal, Xi blessed the fledgling momentum in ties, granting Blinken a much-anticipated audience on Monday. Granting Blinken an audience. Who the hell is Xi Jinping, an authoritarian dictator, to grant an audience to the Secretary of State of the most powerful country in world history? How about we grant Xi an audience? How about it should work the other way around? No apparent breakthroughs occurred on the range of contentious issues that have sent ties plummeting from U.S. support for Taiwan and restrictions on technology exports to China to Beijing's close relations with Moscow. Blinken said he raised concerns about Chinese intelligence activities in Cuba. And uh, they were hoping to establish some sort of military communications channel between the countries to prevent some sort of misunderstanding over Taiwan, right? Where China makes a move, it's a military exercise, but we think it's an actual attack on Taiwan until we respond in kind. And China's like, nah, we're not doing that. We're not going to coordinate with you at all because if we feel like invading Taiwan, we'll damn well invade Taiwan. Meanwhile, Anthony Blinken is going out there and saying the quiet part out loud. He says, we don't support Taiwan's independence. So this has been longstanding U.S. policy. Longstanding U.S. policy has been strategic ambiguity on Taiwan. What would we do if China actually invaded Taiwan? We don't know. And the reason we say that is because we don't want China to think that they can get away with an invasion of Taiwan. 
It has also been longstanding U.S. policy since the Kissinger era that the United States will not openly support independence for the Republic of Taiwan because that might precipitate war. At the same time, when you say to Xi Jinping, we do not, when you say openly and routinely, we do not support Taiwanese independence, Xi Jinping is going to find a pretext to now blockade the island. Right. What he's now going to do is he's going to say, it looks like the Taiwanese are about to declare independence. You know what we need? A naval blockade to prevent that. And even you, you, the United States, you said you don't support independence for Taiwan. That's the next move that's going to happen over the course of the next couple of years. Bank on it. Here's Anthony Blinken saying this stuff. On Taiwan, I reiterated the longstanding U.S. one China policy. Uh, That policy has not changed. It's guided by the Taiwan Relations Act, the three joint communiques, the six assurances. We do not support Taiwan independence. We remain opposed to any unilateral changes to the status quo by either side. We continue to expect the peaceful resolution of cross-strait differences. We remain committed to meeting our responsibilities under the Taiwan Relations Act, including making sure that Taiwan has the ability to defend itself. Okay, now he he can continue saying that as much as he wants. But again, what Xi Jinping is going to take away from that is if I just claim that the Taiwanese are moving toward independence, What exactly are the Americans going to do about it? Meanwhile, Blinken gave some happy talk about China's economic interests being tied to our own, which is uh, strange because obviously Xi Jinping disagrees. We have uh, many American companies that uh, I met with, or at least their representatives here, including the the Chamber of Commerce, uh, that continue to uh, be very interested to do business here. And it's profoundly in our interest. I also noted to our, our hosts that... China's broad economic success is also in our interest. Um, We have done a remarkable job rebounding from from COVID and having a a growing economy, very low unemployment, um, tremendous investments in our future. But we also benefit tremendously when there is growth and progress in other countries, especially one of the world's largest economies. By the way, you want to know why so many foreign countries look at the United States and they say you're a hypocrite when you talk about human rights is because of this kind of stuff. You'll, see, you'll unleash the ambassador to Hungary to jabber about LGBTQ rights in Hungary where they actually have a democracy. And then you'll go to China and you'll simp for the Chinese regime talking about how amazing it would be if they had great economic ties. Blinken also, he kept talking about military to military communications and cooperation. Unfortunately, none of that happened during this trip. All that, all that happened is basically he looked like he was prostrating himself before Xi Jinping. What about the lines of communication between militaries? There have been close calls. How dangerous is it that you're leaving Beijing without direct assurances that these lines of communication will open when the tactics appear to be growing bolder? It's imperative for, for us, and it really should be for them, to restore these military-to-military channels of communication for exactly the reason that you cited. We've seen a couple of very dangerous incidents in the last couple of weeks with their ships driving much too close to ours, their planes uh, doing the same thing. That's the quickest path to an inadvertent conflict. Um, I don't have any progress to report on reestablishing the military-to-military channels. There, are, there is no progress. Even CNN's Jim Sciuto, who is an ally of the administration, even he, he's reporting from Beijing, he's like, yeah, I mean, she was basically taking Blink into the woodshed here. China seems to be placing the blame on the U.S. for the downturn yeah. in relations. Not necessarily surprising, but uh, what do you see there? Well, there was an almost scolding tone from the Chinese president to Secretary Blinken uh, in advance of their meeting in which he said something along the lines of, I hope you, uh, Secretary Blinken, and America will do more to improve the relationship, clearly putting the onus on the U.S. and therefore implying it's the U.S. that has been the problem here. Now, on the flip side, and as always with, with these high stakes, high level meetings, you have to take the good with the bad. The Chinese president did sit down with the U.S. Secretary of State and that kind of contact. He, of course, also met with the foreign minister and other Chinese officials is progress compared to where we were just a few weeks ago. Oh, progress, is it? Seems it seems so, so much progress. In just one second, we'll get to the other problems with the Biden administration, including economic problems. They're not going to go away first. Now, the fact of the matter is, with four kids and a baby, I got to tell you, last night, I was in charge of the baby for like the last half of the night. That meant I went heavy on the Black Rifle Coffee this morning. Black Rifle Coffee literally fuels the Daily Wire. Our office drinks about 40 pounds of their coffee every single week. If you haven't tried Black Rifle Coffee yet, you need to. 
A great place to start is their complete the mission fuel sampler, giving you a taste of the entire spectrum of black rifle coffee flavor profiles, offering four ounce bags of the following rows. The silencer smooth AK-47 espresso beyond black and just black. The only hard part will be picking a favorite amongst these classic rows. Black Rifle Coffee, it's a veteran founded coffee company operated by principled men and women who honor those who protect, defend and support our country. With every purchase you make, they give back. Stop running out of coffee. Sign up for a Coffee Club subscription to have Black Rifle Coffee delivered straight to your door on a schedule. Coffee Club subscribers receive their high quality coffee at lower prices with free shipping. Plus, they get early access to exclusive deals and prices. Head on over to BlackRifleCoffee.com. Use promo code Shapiro at checkout for 10% off your order. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com. Use promo code Shapiro for 10% off. You can also find Black Rifle Coffee in grocery and convenience stores near you. Black Rifle Coffee is America's coffee. Also, if you're looking for something interesting to watch, check out our new series, What We Saw, hosted by storyteller Bill Whittle. Season one focused on Apollo 11, and the entirety of season two right now is available. It's great. It's about the Cold War, and you can delve into the origins and key events of the Cold War as the series explores pivotal moments ranging from the Berlin blockades of the Korean War to the death of Joseph Stalin and to the ultimate resolution of the Cold War under Ronald Reagan. Don't just read about history, live it. Bill makes you feel like you're there witnessing history. It's a terrific series, and all episodes are now available to stream. You have to be a Daily Wire Plus member to see it, so go check it out right now at dailywireplus.com. Okay, meanwhile, speaking of Joe Biden, he's not just blowing it on foreign policy. When it comes to the economy, the United States economy is still in serious trouble. According to the Wall Street Journal, the world's central banks underestimated inflation last year. Across affluent countries, central bankers are sharply lifting inflation forecasts, penciling in further interest rate increases, warning investors interest rates will stay high for some time. Some have set aside plans to keep interest rates on hold. Roughly a year into their campaign against high inflation, policymakers are some way away from being able to achieve victory. So inflation is still a part of the global economy, thanks in large part to Joe Biden blowing more money into the American economy than ever seen in world history. Meanwhile, there's still a global tax mess that American companies are going to have to face, and that is largely thanks to the Biden administration. According to the Wall Street Journal, U.S.-based multinational companies face a slow-brewing tax squeeze over the next few years. Congress is deadlocked over what to do. Companies are going to start paying higher taxes in foreign countries next year under a global minimum tax agreement, thanks to the Biden administration trying to cut a 15% global minimum tax, which, again, is really, really bad. We should lower our minimum tax. The following year, the deal will cause U.S. companies to lose domestic tax breaks. In 2026, U.S. taxes on companies' foreign incomes will rise because of long-delayed provisions of the 2017 tax laws. According to Daniel Bunn, president of the Tax Foundation, the screws tighten each year. Much of the tax pileup stems from the global minimum tax deal U.S. officials helped negotiate in 2021 as a way to limit corporate tax avoidance. Governments in South Korea, Japan, EU, and UK are moving ahead with the deal's 15% tax floor. Swiss voters decide Sunday whether to accept it or not. But the United States isn't implementing the new taxes, igniting consequences for American companies. So again, the taxes, thanks to Joe Biden, are going up on all American companies, which means higher prices for everyone. So that's exciting as well. Meanwhile, Joe Biden is being dragged around bodily by other people surrounding him because he is no longer alive. Representative Anna Eshoo, Democrat of California, was caught on tape pulling around Joe Biden physically the other day. There's Gavin Newsom being like, man, I hope he falls over. Gavin Newsom's trailing behind. This is ridiculous. Anna Eshoo's like, look, old man. He's like, I'm going to follow this lady. Where is their pudding? Where are we going? So things are going great. In other news, Andrew Tate has been rearrested in Romania. Again, we don't know all the evidence in this case, but it is worth noting since, of course, he is a very hot topic all the time. According to the BBC, which, of course, hates Andrew Tate, controversial influencer Andrew Tate has now been charged in Romania with rape, human trafficking, and forming an organized crime group to sexually exploit women. His brother Tristan and two associates also face charges, all denied the allegations. They were first arrested at their home in December, and then in March, they were moved from custody to house arrest following a ruling by a Romanian judge. The indictment deposited with the Bucharest court says the form defendants formed an organized criminal group in 2021 to commit human trafficking in Romania, but also including in the United States and the UK. It names seven alleged victims who say they were recruited by the Tate brothers through false promises of love and marriage. The alleged victims were later taken to buildings in a county in Romania where they were intimidated, placed under constant surveillance and control and forced into debt, according to a statement from Romanian prosecutors, and then allegedly forced to take part in pornography later shared on social media. The accused also had assets seized, including properties, cars, and more than $300 million in cryptocurrency. A Romanian judge has 60 days to inspect the case files before it can be sent to trial at this point. The Tate brothers are proclaiming their innocence. So we'll keep tabs on that. Of course, Tate has suggested for a long time that the authorities in Romania and elsewhere were out to get him. Okay, time for a quick thing I like and then a quick thing that I hate. So things that I like today. I love the irony of people embracing the woke agenda only to be forced to run away from the woke agenda. So now Jamila Jamil, who pretends that she's a member of the LGBTQIA divided by sign community, 
she is uh, weighing in on an awards show having gender neutral categories because she's afraid that um, if there are no gendered categories anymore, women will be shut out. Quote, would it not be better to give non-binary people their own category rather than open the door for Hollywood to completely shut out women given the known disproportionate amount of men versus women winning at award shows? So what she's afraid of is men identifying as non-binary and now winning over women. Wait, but I thought that those are women. Some of those people are women. Non-binary is a real status and a minority status, far more victimized than women. Why should women have a leg up on non-binary people? This seems really, really cisnormative, Jamila Jamil. She says, if we now have enough non-binary talent to restructure entire awards shows, which is great, we should add rather than run the accidental risk of erasing, no? I say this as an audience member because I'm not going to be nominated for an Oscar anyway. I have no horse in this race. Um, well, actually, you do have a horse in this race because you are a woman, because you are a woman. So fun to see all the members of the left suddenly realize that the rules they've constructed for themselves are garbage. Okay, time for a quick thing that I hate. Okay, so you know body mass index is a pretty crude standard that basically just looks at your weight and your height and then tells you if you might be overweight or obese. And it's it's not dispositive in every situation, right? BMI doesn't take into account body type sometimes. Right? There are athletes who, for example, have a lot of muscle mass and they're not particularly tall and their BMI will be quote unquote off the charts. You'll see that with athletes all the time. And so they have to actually recalibrate your body mass based on your athletic activity. But as sort of a rough and ready guide for whether somebody needs to lose weight, BMI is useful. Well, now the American Medical Association is saying that um, body mass index is racist. Yep. Because why? Well, it was categorizing too many black and Hispanic people as overweight, apparently. Now, is it true that there are a bunch of people who are black and Hispanic who are not overweight, who are being categorized as overweight? I'd like to see the evidence on that one. I really would. Because it seems to me that as sort of, again, a rough and ready estimate, BMI is useful. Again, it's not like this positive. It's not a body fat calculator. It's not you going through and, and looking at the levels of fat in your actual system. It's basically a crude measure of maybe you need to lose weight. But Doctors know that, like they can look at you and say, you look obese and your BMI is like 30. So probably you're obese. But the AMA says this is no longer good because it might be racist. According to the AMA, the new policy was part of the AMA Council on Science and Public Health report, which evaluated the problematic history with BMI and explored alternatives. The report also outlined the harms and benefits of using BMI and pointed to BMI as an imperfect way to measure body fat in multiple groups given that it does not account for differences across racial or ethnic groups, sexes, genders, and age span. Given the findings reports, the new policy supports AMA in educating physicians on the issues with BMI and alternative measures for diagnosing obesity. So they're, they're saying now we need to use more sophisticated measures of measuring body fat. For example, they say that it should be used in conjunction now with other valid measures of risk, such as, but not limited to, Measurements of visceral fat, body adiposity index, body composition relative fat mass, waist circumference, genetic metabolic factors. The policy noted BMI is significantly correlated with the amount of fat mass in the general population, but it loses predictability when applied on the individual level, right? That would be the, the thing that I'm talking about here, where if you're an NFL player and you're a running back and you're 5'9", 200, it's going to rate you as obese. Okay, but how many of the people actually being rated by BMI are NFL players? Let's be real about this. It's just not giving results that people want is the problem. And we're supposed to pretend that you're not fat when you are fat. A huge percentage of the country is now fat. It is perfectly obvious to everyone that this is the case. That fat is not equally deposited across different groups. It's not equally deposited across men, across women, across age groups, across races. Because when you agglomerate people, very rarely will the statistics be absolutely identical across groups in pretty much any category, height, weight, income. Okay, but because apparently too many black and Hispanic people are charting it as fat, the AMA is now going to say that BMI itself is racist. I'm sorry, this is ridiculous. It's ridiculous on its face. How about this? How about we all eat healthier and we go work out instead of ripping on the metric that is being used as sort of a rough and ready way for doctors to tell you that you need to go work out and stop eating so much cake. The AMA Council on Science and Public Health, here was their statement, quote, our AMA recognizes the issues with using body mass index as a measurement because of A, the eugenics behind the history of BMI, of the use of BMI for racist exclusion, and C, BMI cutoffs are based on the imagined ideal Caucasian and does not consider a person's gender or ethnicity. So um, I'm confused. So if you have a BMI of 30 and you're black, does this make you not fat? Like what, what exactly are we talking about right here? So one of the things they're pointing out is that there are racial differentials with regard to how BMI works among the different races, which, okay, that's fine. And doctors should know about that. But the idea that BMI as a tool is racist in and of itself is really, really silly. 
According to the Daily Mail, recent evidence suggests that people of Asian descent are just as prone to certain conditions like type 2 diabetes at a lower BMI of around 20, which is considered normal for other races. Similarly, diabetes is two to four times more prevalent and more deadly in black, Hispanic, and Asian Americans. And one-size-fits-all screening based on non-white, non-Hispanic white bodies is highly likely to result in underdiagnosis of the disease. Now, again, I'm not against doctors using further tools, but the idea that BMI itself is racist is really, really silly. And in the, mo- in the vast majority of cases, what's happening here is not that the AMA is deeply concerned about underdiagnosis of diabetes. What they're really concerned about is, again, too many people from each group are being considered fat under the BMI stats. And that's a problem in the United States, particularly. So it, another excuse for, quote unquote, fat positivity is probably the best way to read all this. Again, if we're just talking about adding more information to the medical system, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. You know, better individual treatment of patients is totally a wonderful and, and fine thing. But it seems to me that much of what is driving the AMA these days is an attempt to getting good with the woke crowd, whether it's the AMA declaring that gender affirming healthcare is actually the gold standard in the United States while Europe basically bans it, or whether you're talking about BMI suddenly becoming racist because there are too many people who are being categorized as overweight or obese from cultures that uh, or, or from races that are non-white. Pretty amazing stuff. Meanwhile, in other things that I hate today, uh, Rashida Tlaib, who is a horrible person and one of the worst idiots in the American Congress. Uh, she uh, she is now out there urging eco-activists to be much more aggressive, which is just what we need. We need more people gluing themselves to uh, objects. Here, here she was yesterday. Uh, again, we have to be much more aggressive uh, in regards to fossil fuel expansions. Um, you know, it's, it's already outpaced what the Trump administration was trying to do. Um, you all know already, I, I know this. This is just, again, me speaking on behalf of my district. We are tired of being studied. We are tired of the task forces. We are tired of commissions. We're done. Uh, we're at this point where we're like, we get it. We know this is happening. Oh, so they're done. They're tired. And that's what we need is we, we need more crazy activism from the eco-activists, which is apparently what is happening um, with regard to these climate activists who are, uh, who are now going after Monet paintings. Man, these clowns. The situation is urgent, says one. The pandemic was nothing compared to the climate collapse. What's coming can't even be imagined. This is in Sweden. Children and the elderly will die first. And will suffer nonstop, but no one will make it in time. Ban peat mining and restore the wetlands. Okay, so our health is under threat, she says, while gluing herself to a Van Go- uh, uh, Monet painting. How can you do nothing about it? And everybody's just standing around filming these these cretins. Your security, what do you do for a living? Okay, here's what we need. We need full-on body tackles of people who do this sort of stuff. That's what we need. Arrest these people, throw them in prison for five years, and then this will stop. It's ridiculous, and it's insane. And the notion that if you glue yourself to a painting and shout about the wetlands, that this is somehow going to fix the climate is really, really, really stupid. But, you know, stupidity is, is what rules in this day and age. Alrighty, folks, the rest of the show is continuing right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be getting into the mailbag. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us. 